Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. And today's guest is Josh Allen Dykstra. Josh, did I pronounce your last name right? You sure did. First off. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And uh, well, Josh, tell the world about yourself. Uh, who are you? What are you up to? Yeah. Well, hi, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm uh, Josh. I'm a CEO of a company called Helios. And uh, what we do is try to, uh, we have a tiny mission of creating a world where everyone can love work. So just a small, just a small goal that we've got. And uh, I'm, a, I'm an author, speaker uh, person as well. So I, I travel around and write and speak about how to create uh, systems that uh, give people life and energy, uh, primarily systems at work. As uh, it turns out, most work systems do the opposite of that. So that's what I'm about. All right. Well, we've got a bunch to dive into there. But first, how, let, talk about your career journey a little bit. Like, how did you get to the point where you're just trying to do this very small thing of, you know, helping everyone love work? <laughs> yeah. Just a, the small goal of revolutionizing work uh, in general. Um, yeah. Very, very meandering path. Uh, I, I had uh, my, my first career choice was kind of a uh, rock star. And uh, I wanted to, and that's a, that's a good one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, I, I love music and I'm a, I'm a classically trained pianist and I, I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I play a lot of different things. And so I, I've always kind of been looking for my way to make the, my dent in the universe, you know, so to speak. And, uh, for a long time, I thought that would be through music because it's just something I love so much. And I think it speaks to a person's soul in a, in a powerful way. And so I went down that path pretty seriously. I've, I released a few albums. You can still find them out there on your favorite music streaming sites if you desire to do so. But uh, I, I realized uh, pretty quickly that um, that the music world, A, is not a, is not a great way to do things like, you know, pay your rent or buy food. Uh, that, that if you like, you know, eating, uh, being a musician is a hard path for you. Uh, and, uh, then also it, it just didn't really kind of fit with my, my life. You know, I, I'm not a night person and these, these gigs are, you know, are always late at night. And so there's just some fundamental kind of misalignment things. And so I, I really didn't know what I was going to do instead though, for many years. And eventually I kind of just stumbled into this world of, of organizational culture and, uh, consulting and speak. I had no idea that people could uh, get paid for for speaking or writing books, and uh, for me that was just a, a really profound thing because it, it allowed me to take a lot of my performance kind of art and just kind of move it. And you know, instead of singing to people, I speak to people. Instead of writing songs, I write books. And so there's a lot of transferable, I think, uh, skills that uh, I see now clearly in hindsight. You know, it took me a lot of years to figure that out, though. Sure. But if you weren't listening closely to what you just said, you just went from, yeah, music wasn't a good fit for where you were and how you wanted to operate to, hey, there's this thing called org design and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, suddenly you're doing it. Um, and yeah, there is this thing called org design. And what was the transition there? How, how do you make the leap to, there was this thing I knew nothing about to, well, now I'm going to write and speak about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think uh, how do you make that transition in a word is, is slowly, uh, I think mm. is the right word. It's uh, painstakingly might be the other word. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely to, yeah, it's exactly to your, to what you're hinting at. It was, it was a, it was a long process of discovery, of uh, reflection, a lot of inner work for me to try to figure out, you know, what, what is, what are these kind of energy currents underneath the things that I feel like I want to do? And how do I tap into those things to maybe apply 
those those things that give me life and energy uh, in a in a way that was different than I initially thought. You know, initially I thought it would be through a music career, and but it turns out there's there's a lot of things underneath those, those things that I like that could be applied in lots of ways. And so I'm 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 really attracted to big complex systems and and how they work and how they kind of impact our decision making. Um, and uh, so the the world of organizations has always kind of fascinated me, and I, I think I probably first in, entered it through the world of just leadership being fascinating. You know, this idea that certain people bring out the best in other people, uh, that has just forever fascinated me. And, and how, do, how do some people, are, they're just able to help other humans uh, do things that they never dreamed that they were capable of doing. And it's, so leadership is such a big, big part of this journey for me. And, and the study of leadership has always fascinated me. So I think I kind of came in through that, that angle. And I was, I was studying that as far back as high school, um, just because it was interesting to me. And so eventually, you know, the, the dots, I guess, I just kind of followed the, the, the breadcrumbs, I'd, I'd say, uh, to where I, I, um, uh, I found out about this thing called coaching and consulting. I didn't know it existed. And um, then uh, I, I found uh, an exa- a small boutique consulting firm outside of Los Angeles, where I was living at the time. And uh, got them somehow uh, to agree to bring me on as kind of an apprentice and an intern, just so I could learn what this world was all about. And they were very kind and, and very helpful, and uh, were willing to to bring me in. And so that's kind of how it started. Is is I just um, you know the line that you work it, when you're starting, you work to learn, not work to earn. And I did a lot of working uh, for free uh, to learn what this world is all about. And I just kind of said yes to everything. And uh, tried a whole bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, an event, it just kind of kept going. I think that's the thing. Like, well, to the name of, of your podcast here, it's a, there was a lot of imperfect action. But I definitely have a bias for action to just keep moving. And uh, yeah, keep going. So what have been some of the challenges along the way, Josh? So you, you know, you convince them to take you on. Like, I, and that must have been a great conversation. Hey, I was going to be a rock star. I'm not. Can I be, can I be a consultant? Um, and and, you know, you're right. No one, when you're growing up, no one on the playground ever says, yeah, I'm going to be a consultant when I grow up. Right. Um, you know, it's this thing that you don't know about until you're already grown up. Um, what brought you to CEO? Hmm. So, you, you know, you're, you're a consultant. Um, I'm assuming you're doing a little org design, helping, helping companies out, helping leaders out, get, get the most out of people is what I'm hearing. Uh, so what was the kind of the journey there? And I ask this because, you know, I think a lot of people are either trying to figure out what they want to do, you know, so my daughter is about to enter college and at that stage of life, um, or, or maybe people are, you know, 35, 45 and trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, you know, what what was that journey for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, kind of transitioning. I'm in a period of transition again, you know, right. I suppose at some level, maybe we always are, uh, but right now it feels like another kind of big transition for me. So I've been, I've been effectively working as a consultant. So to your point, working with organizations around their, their culture and how to optimize for, for humanity inside their organization, uh, for the last decade. So I've been doing that pretty, pretty consistently as a kind of service provider, right? People hire me for, for my brain or my ideas or my speaking or whatever. And then I 
I go in and, and work directly with them. And what I've been, what the transition I'm, I've been in for the last, I don't know, year or so is kind of trying to move out of, out of that direct consulting to more of a train the trainer model. I think we've, we've uh, tapped into some ideas over the years that can serve a lot of other consultants and uh, coaches and even in, internal folks like uh, HR folks and, and leaders inside organizations who want to be a, a positive change agent uh, inside their their company. And so I'm, I'm in the middle of this interesting transition now to, uh, again, I would say, uh, kind of pivoting my business model uh, away from that delivery, you know, direct delivery model into more of, okay, how do, how do we create a, a platform or a tribe of, of, uh, of people who want to do this work and just kind of take everything to the next level. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think it's, you know, how, how it, how it gets here is, is just kind of, uh, iterations. So we've, we've got a, a mantra in our organization that is, uh, run the experiment, um, mm. which I think I, I shamelessly stole from uh, rich Sheridan's organization actually. So kudos to those guys at, uh, uh <laughs> in Ann Arbor, but, uh, they're, um, yeah. So this idea of, of running the experiment has become foundational to the way that we live and that we work and that we're just constantly running, uh, experiments to try new things. And I would say that's just kind of the way it's, I've, I've gotten to this point over the year, over the years. And um, I'd say another foundational principle would be to always follow the energy, meaning uh, what gives, gives me energy. So w- one of our basic philosophies and, and tenets is that uh, we should do more of what energizes us in our lives and less of what doesn't. And so I've, I've been kind of using myself as the first guinea pig of this idea over the last decade plus. And so really following this idea of what, what things energize me more and what I found is that I can constantly kind of A-B test things in my life. And so I, I get into this world, you know, through the kindness of, of these, these folks at this consulting firm, and they did a lot of kind of conflict resolution coaching. So I, I did that and realized I hated that. That was, that was not, <laughs> that was not energizing for me. Uh, and so then I, but I, I found that kind of focusing on, on strengths coaching, that was really interesting. So I did more of that. And so I did some, did a lot of coaching in the initial years. And then I, I found that I could do, um, you know, workshops and did I like coaching or, or, or workshops better? So I AB test those things. And I, man, I kind of like facilitating workshops better. So I do more of that. And then I the AB test workshops with speaking. Do I like workshops? And oh, I kind of like speaking, right? So you got to feel like, uh, at least my, my intuition on this is that you can follow, we can follow this idea of what gives us life and energy uh, for as long as we're on this planet. We can keep getting more and more specific about, okay, you know, this, so who am I speaking to, right? Does that make a difference about what, what gives me more energy? And I could keep following this and keep honing in and getting more and more specific. And the more I can craft my occupation, my job around the things that give me life and energy. Uh, well, first of all, it's great for my well-being, but second of all, it makes me more successful because I'm more likely to be in my state of, of peak performance when I'm feeling energized. And so that's kind of been the, the test all along is just constant experiments, constant A-B tests of, okay, what's giving me energy and what doesn't? How do I do more of what's life-giving and less of what's life-sucking? What I hear there, Josh, is it's... When I hear the word follow, to me, that almost sounds passive. But what you were talking about is is very active experimentation, very intentional figuring out what works best. And also part of what I'm hearing in there is that 
this is a process. It takes time. It's not like you just get this lightning bolt of inspiration of, oh, here's my dream job, but really actively playing with things and slowly kind of working your way to being able to do more. Um, which I find interesting because I do, you know, hear about this idea of, you know, well, play to your strengths to do what you enjoy. And yet the reality for a lot of work is, well, yeah, but that may not be what I'm hired to do right now. And by the way, I still have to keep doing that job. Hmm. And so, so I'm hearing a bit of a process there of, it's not just going to change instantly. You can't just go to your boss and say, yeah, I'm not going to do these things I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. So Although, how does that although, how does that work? Yeah, although I I would say that uh, a good a good boss, uh, which you know statistically there are very few of those, um, but a good boss will will actually say, oh, if you if you do more things that you're good at and energized by, you do those things more effectively and faster and more efficiently. That is a win win for everyone. And so this is a this is a really kind of big misunderstanding in the organizational system itself. Kind of uh, you know, works against this approach, which is a whole different topic, but, um, good, good, good bosses, good managers, good leaders will always say, yeah, do it the way that you feel like you should do it. You will do it faster and better for us to work against your kind of ingrained personality and wiring is stupid. Um, it's, it's ineffective. It's inefficient for the business, for us to, to work that way, for you to think that you need to do things a certain way. Yes, we need to get to a result, but the people get to the same result in as, as, millions of ways. So how do we help them? So for those who are in leadership roles um, or even, you know, ourselves, how do we help them get to the results they need to get? Because it's easy to say, well, yeah, I prefer to do it this way. And if that way doesn't quite meet the standard, then that creates a, a, a tension if there's the expectation that I just get to go do it my way, you know? So how, how does the leader help them help the person do it in the way that uh, fits their strengths and yet still adhering to the the standard of quality that needs to be met. Yeah. I, th- I think the problem is actually a layer deeper. I think that the, the actual problem is we don't know what results we're supposed to be getting. Mm. Um, in many, in many cases uh, we are, we are moving towards results simply because that was something that was in my job description or it's, it was, you know, somehow kind of put out there as the beginning, the charter at the beginning of the year. These are our strategic goals, and we're blindly following uh, these things. And and I, I think the first step is actually to to dig deeper and to say, okay, what results do we actually need to get here? And those are are those the results that that truly matter uh, in in the the work that we're doing? As I would say, many times we're just working uh, to work, and that uh, you know progress is different than motion. And, and too many times in organizations, I see a lot of motion and not very much progress. Uh, and I think people feel this. I think if, if you're a worker, you feel this, that, that you wonder, is my job, am I actually making progress or am I just going through the motions with all these meetings I do all day long? Is that actually making a freaking difference? I think a lot of people are wondering about this. So I, I think the solution is not just to do more stuff. It's to question the stuff that we're doing first. Mm. So I want to go back then, um, and and I think this kind of builds into what we're talking about right now, but I can't really let this go because you'd mentioned the phrase, uh, optimize for humanity. Hmm. And and I assume you mean optimizing work for humanity. And so what, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. What what a a great question. Um, 
So in our in our organizations today, uh, the the vast majority of our organizational systems are actually optimized for something other than humans, right? They're optimized for profitability or uh, productivity, or our, at least our idea of what those how those things are supposed to work, which comes out of a very industrial way of thinking, a me- mechanical way of thinking about the world. But as we've learned, you know, this is not a new idea, but as we've learned over the last decades, especially, people are not machines. People don't work like machines. People have, have tremendous amounts of variability uh, and, it, and it's and it completely, completely different uh, than machines, which are designed to be, you know, all very, very much the same. And so uh, creating an organizational system or, or any system that's that's optimizing for humanity. I think first is about again asking some of these questions that are these bigger picture questions of why why are we doing what we're doing? What, right now we're caught in in a system that is just seems to be forever churning towards more, right? It's more consumption, more more growth, right? With just the way that we measure quarterly returns, like right? this endless kind of growth cycle. And I, I think we're getting to the point as a human species, where we're starting to ask questions about that assumption that is, is this really all that we should be doing as humans is just more purchasing, more, you know, buying of stuff, more accumulation of things. Um, I think we're starting to learn that that's really not what makes being a human uh, meaningful. And so people are asking questions. You see this, especially of our, our uh, you know, emerging generations. Uh, that's just not enough for people. We, we want to make meaning with the work that we're doing, with the life that we have. And uh, so, yeah, getting, getting ahead of the, and starting to ask some, some different questions about what, what are we actually doing here with this thing called work? Is this really the best we can do with our lives is just to create more stuff that people can go buy. Um, maybe we could actually use work uh, to make the world better, right? <laughs> and that doesn't mean we shouldn't be making things and people like to buy, th- right? And all of that, I'm not, I'm not vilifying that. I'm just saying, isn't there, uh, isn't there some, a higher order of things uh, that we could, we could aim towards with this thing? And we, we spend the majority of our lives working, the majority of the time that we are awake, we are at this thing called work. What are we doing with it? That's that's kind of the bigger question that I want to be asking. I want to encourage us all to ask. All right. So that, I mean, that's a great question. Obviously a very deep question that mm-hmm. uh, we can spend a lot of time on. So two questions for me come out of that. So if I'm in a leadership role, supervising others, uh, or maybe I just ha- have my, you know, trying to start my own company, you know, wh- whatever it is. How do, how do I make work meaningful? I, how do I create the the culture or the environment that will allow things to be meaningful for the people there as well as myself? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there, I think is a, that's a great, um, kind of inflection point to help us understand, uh, different kinds of motivation, Right. So mo- motivation and meaning are, are deeply connected. And so if, if um, what, what we, I don't think we can do is create meaning for other people. So I'll say that first. Uh, I think what we can do is, is put a, a noble cause out there that people can gravitate towards. 
So we can say, so, you know, to use us as an example, we put this noble cause out there. We, we want to create a world where everyone can love work, right? And that is, that's the intention. That's the, the, the aim of what we're all about. And people who, uh, some people will gravitate towards that. Some people will be repelled by that. Some, and that's the intention. That's kind of like a magnet. Right? It's, it's going to attract the things that it needs to and repel the things that it doesn't. And I think that's what we can do as leaders is, is first get, get really solid on what is, the, what is the thing that you want to do in the world that's big and uh, almost maybe impossible to check off without ending your career in your field. Right, So if we were to somehow... Uh, create a world where everyone loved their work, I would need to find a new job. Right? <laughs> and I think that's the kind of thing you, that's what you can do is to create a cause that's big enough where if you, if you complete this thing, you will need a new career hmm. and that should be the goal. And so I think that's one thing we can do is create that kind of magnet uh, that people can rally around. And that's the place to start because what you want to do is get at people's intrinsic motivation. And what we've been doing with work for a long time, because we've been thinking about it like machines, we've been extrinsically kind of carroting and sticking people, right? We either <laughs> try to pull them along with more benefits and perks, or we like whack them with the stick if they don't behave. And this is extrinsic and it's just not as powerful as, as the intrinsic motivation. And so what we're, what we're learning, I think, is that we need things like purpose and meaning and a, and a big noble cause that, can, that we can gravitate towards. Uh, and that, those are the things that, uh, and, and allowing me to, you know, creating, so this is the other thing you can do. Let me say this for a second. As a leader, the other thing that you can do is create an environment where people can do what energizes them at work, right? This is, and this is not as easy as it sounds because, Again, most of the way that we've worked historically does the opposite of that. The systems that are built now tend to suck the life out of people. They don't give them energy. They suck it out. And so what you need is a different kind of organizational operating system, so to speak, that actually allows people to work in their state of flow and what gives them energy because that is what's really good for your business to have people in their zone at peak performance. That's exactly what you want as a leader. You just need to have a kind of a different system to get people into that zone and to keep them there. So when we're talking about different system, that's not like I'm just showing up at work going, Hey team, everything's going to be different now. Um, what, 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 I mean, what's the gap between, or, or how do we, what's the different system I guess that we should be aiming toward? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of break all this down in the, the TEDx talk I just did. So we can maybe put the link out there for people and they can dig sure. more into that. Um, yeah, in, in a nutshell, though, what we're, what we're looking at, I think it might be helpful for people to just kind of understand what I mean by operating system in general. Is, so you think about the operating system on your phone, let's say, right? So you've got a smartphone. The operating system, you might not think a lot about it. <laughs> Most people don't, but it's that thing that runs in the background and makes it work. Right? Nothing works on a device without the operating system functioning properly. Now, if we think about our organizations as having an operating system as well, I think it's helpful. And some people call this culture, right? It's, it's the way we do things. But I think it's actually more helpful to think about culture through the metaphor of an operating system. Because culture gets really complex and hard to understand. But when you think about it with this technology metaphor, you understand that 
oh, it's kind of running in the background, right? It's pretty invisible. It's always on when we're at work. And, and what we, and then if we use that metaphor, we can start to understand, okay, there's, there's a, a set of kind of uh, systems and assumptions and, and processes that are running in the background in my organization. And so uh, what happens t- for most people and, and many leaders as well is we, we live our lives and we do our work at the affect of the system that's in place. We don't realize that there's a system. And so what's going on is we think that we're making decisions in our lives, but actually we make very few decisions. We choose the system and then the system decides for us. So let me give you an example of that. I, I want to go to a university, right? And so my decision is to choose the, that I'm going to a university and which one. After that, a lot of my decisions are made for me because I have to show up for classes at certain times. I have to go to certain classes to get in the major I want and, the, and right, et cetera, on and on and on. All of these decisions have now been made for me by the system. This happens inside work too. We just don't realize it. That so many of the decisions that are that we we think we're making at work have already been decided for us by the system. So the role of the leader moving forward, especially, is to get above the system and to start kind of working on the system itself. And to, first of all, maybe even to see that there's a system in place. Right? Like so this, the system exists. Is I think the maybe the first step. And then you can start trying to, to tweak it. And it's really very simple, right? It doesn't, it's not easy, but it's simple. There's a distinction. Um, it's simple because what you need to do is all of your systems and all parts of your system, they need to give people more energy than they suck out. That's it. Start reconfiguring your, start looking and first of all, see that you have a system. You've got a lot of bunch of, you have a lot of rules and policies and procedures in place that are making decisions for you and your people. See that that is happening. And then start looking at all of those different rules and policies and procedures and start to ask yourself, are these things giving my people more energy or are they sucking it out? And too many times it'll be the latter and you'll need, and then you can start iterating though, right? Then you can start running experiments on, on what things you can change about your system. So the the second part to that question, then, um, and I mean, there's there's so much to think about in the answer you just gave. So, but the the second part is okay. Well, what if I'm not in a in a leadership role, and I'm still showing up to work every day? What can I do to affect you know hmm. my, my personal space in the organization so that? Um, I can, it can provide me more energy. I can play more to my strengths. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of, one of my mentors would say that any, any part, uh, any person who's part of a system is, is actually the system, right? So they would, so there is the, just by changing your behavior, you are impacting the system. Now that it might not be as, as big of an impact or, you know, depending on your role, you know, in, in the organization, uh, it might be not as big as of an impact as you want it to be, but you are impacting the system by changing yourself. So maybe that's the first thing to recognize. Um, and if enough of us, you know, start to make those choices, then we can really, we, we really do start to see meaningful differences. And you, you can see this happen in grassroots kinds of movements, right? We get enough people uh, caring about living or, or working or playing or, or do, doing something different and that really can change things, right? It, it can impact the system. Now, 
Uh, I think the other thing that you can do though is, is a lot of these systems are very powerful. So I think to your point, we often, and, and just the way we've been brought up through our education system, you know, and, and is another topic, but like all of those things have kind of trained us to, to feel very helpless in the face of these. I can't really make a difference, you know, with our uh, political system or education system or what a work system. Right? I, I, I've learned a lot of helplessness uh, throughout, throughout my life. And I think we all have. And so breaking that pattern is, is a really important part of this is to say, no, I, I have power. I have agency. I can make choices and, uh, starting to make choices where I'm deliberately moving towards the things that give me life and energy is those are the choices that I should be making. And, this, this, uh, you know, as, as a starting point, also, because I'd say this, this is what we call uh, a practice. We call building energy intelligence. It's understanding what gives me energy and what doesn't. And this is a practice in itself, because most of us, I, I will say, I, when I started doing this work, I didn't have a clue what gave me energy or what didn't. Uh, that's not something the current system values, <laughs> right? Mm. Like, do your job, right? Suck it up, right? Uh, you know, do what you were hired. Like, that's the value the system you know, it requires from us right now, or we feel like it does. And so even just starting to pay attention to my body and, and when it, cause I, it, it really is very noticeable. Like I, once I start paying attention to this, I can very much feel that certain things light me up and other things make me go dim. And I can feel that when I start to pay attention, the problem is that we don't really pay attention. We just power through, right? We're just doing our work and we, when we, and by just doing our work, we're remaining at the affect of the system that tells us we're helpless to change anything. And so I'd say the first step is to understand that you are powered by a, a specific kind of concoction of, of activities that give you energy. And that combination is completely unique to you. You need to figure out what that is. What activities light you up? at work specifically, right? Because that's where you live the majority of your waking life if you're like most of us. So what lights you up at work? And understand those those things and understand that that, that ingredient, that, that list of ingredients for you is completely unique. Uh, and so that that's where I would definitely start though, is to start recapturing some of our, our own sense of agency. Uh, is I, I just understanding what moves me into a place of being at my best and then what kind of you know stops me from wanting to go there. Well, this has been fantastic, Josh. So, I mean, I've been frantically scribbling notes as we've been talking here, you know, th just things that, that really stand out for me. One, this idea of optimizing for humanity. I mean, I love that, that idea, that concept. I need to think about that one a lot. And the idea that, you know, progress is different than motion. Um, I think that's something we all know. And then we all immediately forget and focus more on the, the motion than the progress. And, uh, you know, being able to, well, I, you know, just like what you're talking about, A-B testing your life. I've never really thought about it that way and, and bringing that intentionality to it. Um, I suspect many of us do that kind of accidentally. <laughs> you know, we over time, we f kind of figure out what we like more than what we don't like. But, uh, but it, to me, it's fascinating to think about it as, well, running it as an experiment mm -hmm. and, and just the idea that, um, we, we can't create meaning for people, but we can create a noble cause for people to gravitate to. Um, 
anyway, just just some of the things that stood out for me today, Josh. Um, well, let, let me ask this. You know, I'm, I'm always curious. What can the the listeners do for you? How how can people help you in kind of your next stage or what you've got going on? Hmm. Yeah, I would say you know, what we're looking for is people to join this movement. You know, the the first step I think of creating a world where people can love work is enough of us believing it's possible for work to actually not suck, right? Mm. <laughs> like this is the first this is the first kind of hurdle is many of us have a really deep belief that work is called work for a reason, right? It it's a four-letter word, right? Like this is it's supposed to hurt me. And so the the first step is is starting to challenge that assumption and that belief and in in ourselves. So if you're listening to this challenge that belief in yourself if you have any of that feeling and work can be one of the best parts of your life. I know many, for many of us it's not right now, but it can be. And and I think if you if you think about it, you'll you'll notice that you've maybe experienced this at least a couple times that when you've had an opportunity to do work where you feel like like you're making something that that makes a difference. Where you're where you're helping someone, right? That meaningful work is a peak human experience. That that is something we all want and crave. And so, what all we're suggesting is that if enough of us believe this is possible, and that 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 work should actually do this for humans, then we can create it. And so, I'd, I'd say, please just kind of jo- join this movement. Uh, you can uh, you can actually kind of do that in a tangible way, where we'll. we'll We'll give you thoughts and ideas and you know, welcome you into our tribe at, at our website. It's helios.work uh, slash tribe. And, uh, and you can, how, how do you spell Helios there, Josh? Yeah, sure. H-E-L-I-O-S. And it's dot work, not dot com. So helios.work slash tribe. But yeah, please, please come join us and we'll just start giving you ideas you know, through through blog posts and, and emails and and other, other content and, and uh, just help help you kind of know what to do, you know, to move into this, this uh, way of, of working that can actually be life-giving. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Josh, it's been fantastic having you on today. Hopefully listeners out there, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Brock Edwards and would love to, or in the, uh, on the website, leave your comments. Would love to hear what you think about these topics. These are uh, much deeper topics than we can actually dig into much in, in just a half hour or so. Uh, but I love where this conversation has started. Thank you so much, Josh. Oh, thanks for having me, Brock. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What What are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by NutraFit. Now, I tried NutraFit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutraFit different is, one, that it mixes immediately, and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutraFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. 
Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on Nutrifit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So Nutrifit.net. And let me know what you think.